Good morning and welcome to First Saturdays on Bike Talk Radio. I am Elizabeth Williams from Cali Bike Tours in Long Beach. And today we have some um, very special guests that will be um, sharing with us how do we empower people through bikes. And and um, our special guests have different programs going on throughout um, the country that have been very successful um, with attracting people um, to biking and to the benefits that biking has to offer. And um, these organizations have been able to sustain their programs. So we wanted to um, get some folks together today, talk about their um, organizations, their best practices, and how we can maybe take some of those um, ideas and implement them here in L.A. and Long Beach and maybe in some other parts of the country as well so that we can can really empower people, um, connect them to all the benefits, the health benefits, the economic benefits, um, just the overall feel-good um, benefits of riding bikes. So our first guest um, today is Helen Ho from New York City, and she's with Recycle a Bicycle. Um, and Helen is going to give us um, some background on her organization, um, what's made it successful, um, and then we have um, we have a few other guests today as well. So um, Helen is on the line with us. Good morning, Helen. Good morning. How are you? I am wonderful. Thank you. How are you today? Um, I'm good. It's hot. It's a hot day in New York City. <laughs> Yes, yeah, summer is coming. Summer is coming. Well, I guess it's, we are, we're having an early version of summer, even though it's still spring. But um, thank you so much for joining us here today. And um, we would um, like to find out, like, how did you you get started with your program? And can you tell us um, a little bit about it? Um, how did I personally get started with the program? Yes. Um, well, I was tricked into <laughs> um, joining my program here at Recycle Bicycle. Uh, what happened was that I um, have been working in the nonprofit environmental field um, for quite some time uh, with the New York City Parks Department, and I ran into our founder and current executive director. Um, we uh, used to work together five years ago, and she kept gifting me with um, bike jewelry that she would make and explaining to me what the parts were, and I thought that i better remember um, what they were in case anyone ever asked. And, like, slowly but surely, I got uh, sucked into the biking world through, like, little pieces of bike jewelry that um, <laughs> that I got through her. And so five, uh, I guess it's six years later now, I'm the development director for the organization. Um, yeah, and so that's that's how I got started with it. Um, and the bike jewelry is a way that we engage young women uh, into the bike into the bike world of bike mechanics um, because it's traditionally a very male oriented environment. Um, uh, we also there's a lot of trickery that happens. Um, we we um, uh, sign girls up for a bike jewelry program. And then they have to wrench their own parts off of the bicycle and shine everything up in order to make their bike jewelry. Uh, but it works pretty well. A lot of our girls go on to become bike mechanics and to build their own bikes afterwards. That is wonderful. That is a wonderful way. I, like, I've seen a lot of um, bike jewelry and bike art 
um, at different bike events, and I get so excited when I see it. But it's not something that is, I guess, widely known that people actually take parts of bicycles and make them into something that's really beautiful and something that's usable. Um, so that's wonderful that you're able to 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 bring young ladies into to biking through jewelry, and they're able to to actually learn a skill that they can um can earn a living off of. Yeah, yeah, and so um, I think they learn multiple skills from that because they have the opportunity to sell their jewelry, and so they um, practice writing a business plan, and they practice their sales pitches, um, and it's like really exciting uh, when something that was about to go into the scrap bucket um, becomes, you know, um, you know, a profit, and um, it's also great that they become bike mechanics. Um, you know, there's a lot of work that goes into deconstructing a bike and knowing um, what parts you're working with. And so um, there's a lot of, you know, skill and labor that goes into that as well. So, you know, it's, it's great on multiple fronts. Wonderful. Wonderful. So can you give us um, an overview of what Recycle a Bicycle um, does? Definitely. Um, Recycle a Bicycle is a nonprofit community bike shop. We were started in 1994 um, by our founder, Karen Overton, who I mentioned, who tricked me before, um, <laughs> after she had come back from doing, um, uh, starting a bike program in Mozambique, Africa. And she came back to New York City, um, where she was living, and wondered why there wasn't a similar program in her own hometown. And so that really spurred her to start Recycle a Bicycle. Um, and so what we do is we started in a middle school in Washington Heights, teaching middle school uh, middle school students how to become bike mechanics. Um, and we are in 20 different schools, um, middle schools and high schools throughout New York City right now, frequently working um, with students um, in in-school and after-school programs. Um, and we take about 1,000 students each year, ages 10 and up, on bike rides all over New York City where they pedal about 24,000 miles altogether and burn close to 2 million calories. Wow. So, yeah, and so, um, and, and you know, so those are our programs, and we, and we have two used bike shops. And so when folks donate bikes to us, um, they could wind up being resold in our bike shop. They could be used for one of our school programs, teaching or internships, teaching students how to become bike mechanics, or um, they could be made into bike jewelry, or they could be recycled um, for scrap metal. And so we're just trying to keep everything possible out of the landfill. That is wonderful um, that you've been able to get into the schools like that. I've been um, trying to figure out how to get into the schools in Long Beach, um, but it's been a very challenging I'll say, um, endeavor. So, um, we yeah, have safe. School, the school system is pretty challenging. <laughs> yes. Yes, yes, yes. Well, I'm glad that you've, uh, your organization has found a way to be able to get, um, get to them, um, to get to the students so that, um, you can teach them some skills and, and get them moving and, um, active. Um, yeah. What have you found, um, that has attracted people to your program the most, where they're like, oh, well, recycle a bicycle. This is great. We want to do this, and we want to keep doing Uh, this. Yeah, well, we're providing a service to the community, um, whether it's a place to drop off their old bikes or a place to learn how to become a bike mechanic, whether you're a young person or an adult. 
um, or, um, you know, whether you need, um, you know, service and repair. Um, these are all, we offer a lot of services to our community. And so, um, and we um, try to create safe spaces for our young people. Um, a lot of times we work with um, untraditional an untraditional student environment. Um, some of our students are new immigrants um, to the U.S. Some of our students um, come from, you know, a homeless population. Some of our students, um, you know, are part of an LGBT community. And so we really try hard to create a safe environment for all of our students um, through the bicycle. So we view the bicycle as a tool um, to, um, to building community. And I think folks are attracted to that. Okay. Yeah. If we can figure out how to engage folks and, and give them something that they find value in, then, then they'll keep wanting it and understand that it's something that benefits them and then share it with other people. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's exactly. wonderful. You've been able to do that. And in L.A. and in Long Beach, we are um, we're trying to develop more programs for um, people who live here and to really connect folks to bikes um, and trying to become creative and as innovative as possible. So do you have... Um, some best practices that you would um, recommend that that has worked for you? Yeah, I mean, I think that the um, best practice that I could recommend, um, you know, which is also uh, one of the ways to create a successful bicycling program is to really listen to um, what people in the community want and to meet them where they're at. And so I think for us at Recycle Bicycle in New York City, um, partnering with other organizations has been uh, the most useful thing um, that we have done and we continue to do um, because we partner with schools, with hospitals, with medical professionals, with health professionals, with transportation advocates, with other businesses. And without, you know, we're a pretty small staff with a small budget and so but we do a lot of things and it wouldn't be possible without um all of the support of our partners um and everyone kind of pitching in where they can so partnerships would would be the best way to go about it yeah i think yeah i think that partnerships is um uh is is a is the best practice that you know we have that we can you know, share with other folks and encourage other folks to do. Well, thank you for that. Um, And what, um, like as far as funding, I know that um, we've struggled here um, in Long Beach and L.A. with, like we have all these wonderful ideas, but our challenge has been finding funding. And we all know that we need funding to make things grow. Um, And to attract more people and to attract more creative people so that we can continue to grow even more. So how have you been able to um, find funding to sustain your program? And um, like what types of creative ideas have you been able to come up with that have worked for your organization so that you can continue to serve the kids and continue to serve the community? Um, well, I think like every single nonprofit out there, um, 
we are re- trying really hard to diversify our funding um, and not to depend on any one thing solely. But that being said, um, we have uh, two retail bike shops where we sell used bikes um, and we provide full-service repair. And that provides uh, more than 50% of our funding uh, for our nonprofit and for all of our programs. So that's a major part of it. Um, we make our own income by taking in, um, refurbishing, selling bikes, and doing bike repairs, giving people tune-ups, fixing flats, um, and having two storefronts to do that with. Oh, that's wonderful. How did you guys um, acquire two storefronts? Um I think it started off as a chance opportunity, and um, and uh, as we said, we started off in a classroom in Washington Heights, um, and it became the real earned income uh, model of sustaining ourselves. Okay. Okay, well, your program, when I first um, met you, and I'd heard about your program before I actually met you, and... I got so excited about it because it seemed so wonderful. I didn't know about all the other pieces, like with the jewelry. Um, I heard about the teaching the, the women to um, learn how to fix their bikes and become bike mechanics. Um, mm-hmm. And I got really excited. I'm like, oh, my God, this is great. We could really use something like this here um, in L.A. And although we do have a lot, um, we do have a lot of programs, um, but... We need more. So thank you so much for sharing your um, your um, ideas and your best practices with your with Recycle a Bicycle in New York City. Um, you definitely share some things that, that we can use here in, in Long Beach and in L.A. that we can um, we can incorporate into programs that are existing or create new ones so that we can continue to connect with folks, with the with the students, with the adults. Um, people who haven't yet realized um, how much a bike can change their lives. So thank you so much for your time today. We really appreciate it. And is there anything else that you would like to um, mention about your organization? Um, yeah, I would. Um, I hope that there's a listener out there um, that is inspired by um, everyone on this radio show today and goes out and starts some of these new programs we're all talking about um, that are happening nationwide. So we have a lot of resources. You're welcome to call all of us um, and ask for advice. Uh, and so, and thank you, Elizabeth, for inviting me onto the show um, and giving giving me the opportunity to um, to talk to you, Long Beach and um, LA listeners about Recycle Bicycle. Well, thank you so much. And Helen, um, would you provide us with um, contact information as well? So if someone wants to learn more about Recycle a Bicycle in New York City? Sure. Um, our website is www.recycleabicycle.org. And Recycle a Bicycle is all one word. Um, we're also on Twitter at RAB underscore NYC. Um, and you can find us on Facebook as well. Well, thank you so, so much. We really appreciate um, your insight on how to get, uh, how to empower more people through bicycles. And we really appreciate your work and all that you're doing um, in New York City. And really now it's it's nationwide um, because you're working with the League of American Bicyclists. So um, we are excited. Um, we're excited to share 
what you're doing, and we're looking forward to hearing more about uh, what Recycle a Bicycle is doing in New York City. And thank you so much, and have a wonderful day. Thank you. Okay, take care. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Okay, we're going to move on to Allison. so much for joining us today, Allison. So we have Allison Graves, and um, you used to be the executive director for the Community Cycling Center in Portland? Yeah, I was the director for three years after having, um, I actually started there in 2005 as a volunteer and was hired soon after that and just had a number of different positions, um, culminating in the director position uh, and was there for over seven years and uh, just a great place. Little, I miss it a little bit now, but uh, they're, they're doing great. Well, wonderful. So when did you leave? Uh, in, uh, in March. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, not too long ago. Okay. Well, um, we wanted to talk to um, different organizations and especially um, um, the, the Community Cycling Center um, that you were a part of. Um, before and find out like what what types of things make that those organizations successful um, that cause them to have an impact in the communities to get um, to empower people through bikes mm-hmm. and and we just wanted to know like how did the community cycling um, center get started. Yeah, so the Community Cycling Center was started a, a while ago. It was started in 1994 by a local mechanic who lived up in uh, a neighborhood called Alberta. And he would see these kids riding around the neighborhood with broken bikes, and he thought, what a great way to get to know people and build community by um, fixing kids' bikes and building relationships and uh, going on rides to explore the, the neighborhood. And that little seed of an idea grew over the years into a, um, you know, started as a volunteer-run community bike shop, and now it's a, a full-fledged, uh, fully-staffed community bike shop that has also some really, uh, what I think are pretty innovative community programs that kind of go beyond the walls of the bike shop itself and uh, do empowerment-based work in underserved neighborhoods in Portland. Wow, that's wonderful. That is wonderful yeah. to hear. So, what's that? I'm sorry. That's wonderful to hear. Oh yeah, yeah. So, um, what what is the thing that's attracted people um, to the program? Yeah, well, I think that as, as it relates to participants, the thing that that I think um, uh, draws people to the program is. Um, and the program that I'm thinking about, because there are a number of different programs, there are educational programs in schools, and there are um, uh, uh, programs for low-income adults to get bikes to, to travel to work. But the, the program that, that I think is really uh, kind of uh, charting new territory is uh, the community collaborations. And it's work that we started in about 2009 uh, that began with a community needs assessment. So. Part of what I think has been successful is that we identified uh, uh, some community partners and asked the residents of these multifamily affordable housing developments, there are two of them that we're working with, about what their barriers are to bicycling or what their barriers were to bicycling. 
And based on the conversations, we learned some really interesting stuff that, you know, it's not just having safe places to ride, although that's really important, but if you don't have a safe neighborhood, then um, safe places to ride, uh, a bike lane in a, in a, in a, um, a neighborhood that people don't feel safe in is kind of beside the point. Um, and beyond just bike lanes, it was, you know, just a place to get your flat tire fixed or the, uh, the cost of purchasing or maintaining a bicycle, which uh, sometimes in bicycle advocacy conversations is a perspective that's uh, not well discussed or re- recognized, that if you're living on low incomes, uh, any cost uh, beyond your, you know, putting a roof over your head and food over the, on the table can really be beyond your means. And... Um, and so how do you create more affordable, more accessible, hyper-local access to bike repair? And not only that, but um, some of the barriers included, um, you know, not knowing other people to ride with or wanting to ride with. We heard moms talk about wanting to ride their bicycles with their kids, but not knowing how to keep their kids safe, really. So it kind of got to uh, just um, the knowing the rules of the road. So we heard this pretty comprehensive uh, list of barriers, and so we engaged the residents of our partners and and kind of said, well, so we have some resources. Let's work together to design programs that help you be the local champion, put literally the tools in your hands to, um, to help your neighbors, help your families, and so it's really morphed over time into more of a... Um, uh, uh, empowering local champions and also developing uh, local um, complementary infrastructure. So one project is what we call a bike repair hub, which is a, uh, it's like a little bike shed where people can in the neighborhood can get their bikes fixed by their neighbors. And then also secure bike parking was another um, project uh, that we're working on. So um, really asking the question, what, what can we do to help, and then putting the tools in the hands of the, the residents and the neighbors to uh, drive the change, and then we apply the resources we have as an organization to support it. So it's really working in partnership, so it's, it's empowering for both sides, and, uh, and it's been really challenging in some ways uh, and also really exciting in lots of other ways. Yeah, I've um, read about the, the, some of the projects that you guys have done and they're really exciting, very innovative. Um, can you tell us how how were you able to engage the residents in the the two housing um, communities? Yeah. So um, we one thing we learned early on was the power of relationships. So we didn't jump in with a lot of ideas or a lot of projects. We really just showed up and um, went to community events and met residents um, and and tried to to get a sense for what really just just you know who people are and what they're interested in and, and really build a people to people connection. Uh, so that was number one. And then the other was really working in partnership recognizing that we as an organization have some resources and some assets and some some knowledge, but we don't have everything, uh, all the pieces of the puzzle that are required to develop uh, long-term um, work or engagement in a, in a neighborhood that we weren't necessarily familiar with. So we worked with uh, different nonprofit organizations. Uh, so, for example, uh, Hacienda is one of the multifamily affordable housing developments that we work with. We work very closely with some of their staff who are community builders, so they have relationships with the residents. 
And we also worked with um, other nonprofits in the neighborhood who were doing uh, empowerment-based leadership development so that people who had graduated from leadership programs delivered by this other nonprofit who were interested in bicycles were then really ready to engage in the conversation about how to uh, focus on um, on promoting health in their in their neighborhood. And that was, I guess, another piece was uh, not leading with the bicycle, but leading with community health and leading with how to build and empower um, communities on their terms uh, as opposed to coming in, you know, with, with I think what is more of a typical bicycle advocacy um, angle, which is bikes are great, let's all do this together, which doesn't always resonate um, so well. Mm-hmm. And so I was really trying to, to find common ground um, really was the, 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 the basic uh, key for us. Okay. And now, like, the nation is really focused on health. So yeah. you hear yeah, health community, being talked about yeah, everywhere. Health, yeah, community health, and also um, we we have a really uh, innovative local community health foundation um, that helps us understand about the uh, something called the social determinants of health. So your you know your health is impacted by where you live and the education that you have, or the school that you have available to you, and the jobs that are accessible to you, and. So this entire system adds up to your your capacity to be a healthy individual and community. And so we looked at a couple of factors of social determinants of health. One was uh, jobs, and the other was uh, just access to your your community, just literally transportation access. So a lot of our programs have morphed from what we call direct service, like we teach you how to do something, more to we'll train you how to develop a skill so that you can gain employment skills and we can develop uh, a social venture over time, which is the, the, the bike hub, the bike repair hub project. is more like an employment training and social venture um, path that we're developing. So it's really trying to get at the root of the problem, and it's, again, very challenging in a lot of ways and very rewarding in many other ways. Uh, certainly not, um, there's no roadmap um, that, that existed at the time, so we really were learning as we go um, and trying to adjust and um, and uh, keep the focus on, again, getting at the root cause uh, and not just a Band-Aid on, on uh, community health. Yeah, and I think that is so, so important. Um, and I think the communities appreciate um, organizations more when you come in and you actually want to get to the root cause and instead of mm-hmm. wanting to put a quick Band-Aid on it and say, oh, well, look at our accomplishment. And then when you're gone, then it goes back to the way it was before. So being able to to leave a program or to establish a program that can be sustainable by the community is very, very important. And we're really um, trying to focus here in Long Beach and in L.A. on, like, how do we create programs that can be sustainable and Mm -hmm. that the community sees value in and they want to participate in. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Do you have some best practices that you would suggest for mm-hmm. for us here or anyone else in the in the U.S. that wants to um, empower people through bikes? Like, is there mm-hmm. any one thing or two things that you would say, you know what, these we have found work and they work consistently? Yeah, that's a really good question. I I I um I think like uh our, our my colleague Keith Holtz who's in Milwaukee would say that 
I'm not sure we have best practices yet, but certainly lessons learned. And um, the I think the first one for us was understanding barriers, was really starting with asking good, asking what we thought were good questions and then really listening. And in that listening process and really deep reflection in with an orientation of partnership, try to design something that is truly meaningful and relevant and empowering for the community that you're serving. So that's not like a prescription for this is a program you can plug in, but really more of a process for how to go about um, really affecting lasting change. Um, and then, uh, you know, I, would, I guess I would have to say the things that we're, that we're um, developing seem to have promise. Um, again, I wouldn't necessarily say the best practices, but I think that uh, the community bike educator program that we developed as part of this this um, community collaboration is training community members uh, to provide basic bike repair uh, and be, really be like the neighbor you can go to 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 get your bike fixed. Because in a lot of uh, underserved neighborhoods, they're in what we call um, bike deserts. You've heard probably heard of food deserts. Yes. Um, and there are places where there's there's not a bike shop that's affordable, or there's not a bike shop that speaks a language other than English, or there's you know there's these different barriers for getting that basic repair. And in our experience, flat tires are the number one repair need out there, which um, is relatively a relatively easy problem to solve. Um, but again, developing that local capacity for being the person who fixes things by doing the bike uh, community bike educator program. So the people who participate learn that basic safety repair. They also learn how to lead rides, and so they can bring friends and family and neighbors out to explore their, um, the, the resources in their, in their community. And that's been working really well, and the, the graduates are really excited. And, and it puts them on a pathway for the possibility of employment. And we at the Bike Repair Hub, our other partner is New Columbia, so the Bike Repair Hub is located there. And it's a, um, it's, it's like a little uh, bike shed. It was designed by art students in this really great project last summer. And so there's a, there's a, a, a little, it's a place where the neighbors can go in their neighborhood to get that basic bike repair. So really making that, um, those, those, um, services very accessible uh, to the degree that we, we can. So again, I think it's less of a prescription for what to do and more about how to do it. So what are the problems and then what are some solutions that can be gathered to address that um, problem at the, at the root cause? Um, and then I think a, a, a lesson learned is just tell the story. Let people know what you're doing because there's a lot of interest in um, developing programs that are beyond what is kind of the, the mainstream of bike uh, bicycle education or advocacy. And I think a lot of communities are interested or curious or committed to that quest, but they don't always know what it means. And so I think at this point it may be more about the process and less about like a specific product, if, if you know what I mean, or a program. Yeah, I do. I do. I'm finding that that is is true um, in the work that I'm trying to do in Long Beach. So, yeah, mm. it's getting, um, trying to find where the people are um, yeah. as far as um, their views on bikes and health and, yeah. um, and transportation. And then from there, 
developing a program rather than coming up with a program and saying, here, yeah. this is for you. <laughs> yeah, and I and I think something else that you, that you mentioned um, was was influential for us too, which was, you know, who is it that you're specifically, you know, trying to connect with? And some organizations have a very kind of wide and um, a very broad approach, and some organizations or individuals have a very kind of specific approach. And we chose to focus very on, on multifamily affordable housing developments with the idea of connecting people to the places where they live, learn, work, play, pray, and really try to f- focus it because we are a relatively small organization. Um, but that's not to say there aren't other ways to uh, to be successful, but that's just the path that we that we took. Okay. And it's been successful. Yeah, I so mean, it, like I said, there have been a lot of challenges along the way. Um, the residents of the two housing communities, their lives are very transient, and so, you know, we would, in some cases, we'll start a group. Um, we form bike committees at the, um, at the, at the different locations, um, but people move a lot. You know, their lives are, um, there's a lot of fluidity, uh, that drives them from one housing development or one state or one country to another, um, and a pretty, pretty, uh, fluid basis. So, you know, that's something that we have to manage, um, so that poses a challenge in, in the process of developing continuity or sustainability from, like, a nonprofit organizational perspective, if you know what I mean. Okay. Okay. And, Allison, how have you guys been able to successfully fund your programs to yeah. be able to sustain them? Yeah. So when we – so it's hard for me to talk about the program without starting from the beginning with the Understanding Barriers Needs Assessment. Um, and so – Understanding Barriers was funded through a local um, governmental agency um, that focuses on regional transportation options. So we have a, a, a regional um, group called Metro, and it came from from uh, from their funding stream initially. And then it was the needs assessment in a pilot program. And once we had completed the needs assessment, we, uh, with their support, were able to disseminate the information. Uh, relatively widely locally and to a certain degree beyond Portland, and and that raised the awareness of the of our community about the the opportunities for for broadening uh, and building a healthier community. Not putting more people on bikes, which you hear a lot of, but really building a healthy community is what our our message was, and that got a lot of attention. And once we had that attention, we had better opportunity to reach different grantors. So we submitted some successful grants to local community health foundations. Um, and there were some grants that were not successful, and that was part of the challenge of the, of the emerging work. You know, we, we didn't, like I said, we didn't really have a roadmap. And so um, building the kind of traditional case that the grantors want to see, which is, What's the problem? How are you specifically going to address it? What are your outcomes in which time frame was really hard for us to say. And so uh, it took us a while. There was a period of time when we were not successful in securing grants, so we had to do individual fundraising. Um, and uh, and that was successful, but there definitely were very lean times um, and in, in, in the process. So, you know, funding is always a challenge. So I guess the bottom line is that it was 
a little bit of governmental funding, a little bit of foundation funding, and a little bit of uh, individual funding. Okay. So you were you were um, focusing on all areas, not just on community funding mm-hmm. or just on government mm-hmm. funding. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think that, you know, there are sources of funding that come from the government that can be really um, helpful, um, but I, I've always been wary of getting too connected to that uh, stream of funding because it's uh, so uh, variable, um, as we've seen li- lately. Yes. And then grantors, you know, they're just strings attached, and so just being able to um, have as many unrestricted funds uh, was uh, was our priority, but that's... Um, takes a lot of time to build that. So it's uh, it's always a challenge. Okay. Okay. Well, thank you for sharing that. Is there anything else that you'd like to, to share with us on on how how we could create more successful um, bike programs in our communities? Yeah, I think, um, you know, kind of what you're doing right now, which is talk to people and let's build our uh, connections and let's try to, uh, you know, move maybe someday move from lessons learned to actual best practices uh, so that we're um, we're not always recreating the wheel. Um, it's I, I believe it's true that in different communities need different things, and so there is no one-size-fits-all, um, but there are lessons learned and there are some ways to, to um, uh, take something that one community has developed and modify it for your own. So I think it's uh, it's continuing to build relationships among practitioners so that we're better able to bring ideas or resources to the work um, that's happening in our in our communities. So I really am excited that you're doing this kind of um, conversation. It's really important. And then the work of the Equity Advisory Council at the League and other organizations that are trying to bring um, people together and try to try to elevate the work and, and advance the, this, this really important work. Well, thank you. Thank you for that. I was really impressed by the, um, the study, the barrier study that you guys did. And um, I got a lot of stuff, stuff out of there where I'm like, okay, well, we can use some of this in Long Beach. And um, it brought attention to areas that maybe I hadn't thought about um, before. In a program, so, and I'm wondering um, now that you are no longer a mm-hmm. part of the um, community cycling center, um, mm-hmm. do you have plans to develop another organization that's bike related? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I, so I am. Uh, the quick answer is no. <laughs> okay. But I'm definitely committed to uh, continuing um, to. Uh, Learn as a you know I, I'm I'm actually kind of a reluctant to call myself a bicycle advocate. I'm really a community advocate, but I think the bicycle is a really interesting tool to build community. So as a you know I'm on the the board of the League of American Bicyclists, and I think there's a lot of really interesting work that's happening there. And uh, and so I'm uh, trying to to network. Uh, with the people that I'm meeting who are outside of Portland and bring some of those ideas back to the network of people inside of Portland and just try to connect the dots. So that's what I'm doing in the short term and, you know, in the in the, um, in the the next year or so, I'm going to be figuring out what my next steps are, but not yet clear about what that's going to be at this point. Um, so stay tuned. 
Okay. Well, thank you so much for your time, Allison. We really appreciate it. You sharing um, how the Community Cycling Center has been able to, to be successful and be impactful in the communities. And um, is there a website or contact information that um, people can use to get more information about the Community Cycling Center and also yeah. if they wanted to contact you directly? Yeah, so um, if anybody wants to uh, find out more about what the Community Cycling Center is doing, um, their website has a lot of great information, including the Understanding Barriers reports and some of the materials that we uh, have to perform the needs assessments. So go to the community to www.communitycyclingcenter.org. Uh, that's the website. Uh, and then if you want to get in touch with someone at the Community Cycling Center, there's a Contact Us page, and so you could find the individual or program that you want to reach out to, or contact um, Melinda, who is the communications um, manager, so M-E-L-I-N-D-A, Melinda, at communitycyclingcenter.org. And if folks want to contact me, um, I am accessible by email on um, at Allison Hill Graves at bikeleague.org. So A L I S O N H I L L G R A V E S at bikeleague.org. That's the the League of American Bicyclists email that'll get uh, get to me. Okay. Well. So yeah, and I really appreciate the work you're doing, and uh, and I welcome uh, uh, staying connected with people and and trying to, like I said, connect the dots and help to advance this really important work. Well, thank you, and we really appreciate the work that you've been doing and the work that we know you're going to continue to do. Thank you so much for your time, Allison. Okay. Have a good Thanks day. Thanks so much for your time. Okay, have thank a good you. day. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Rodriguez from the Multicultural Mobility Organization in L.A. So, um, good morning, Andy. Hi, how are you, Elizabeth, and everyone else? I am well, thank you. How are you? I'm doing well, just enjoying my weekend. <laughs> good, good, enjoy it all. We have a beautiful day here in, uh, in uh, L.A. too, so perfect weekend. I'm excited about it. So, yeah, you got the sun out and everything, so I'm I'm ready to go out biking. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Well, thank you for joining us today. Um, and today we're talking about how do we empower people through bikes. And um, we know that, that um, your organization has done a lot in L.A. And um, we want to hear more about it so that maybe we can take some of um, what you're doing and use that in current organizations or to create some new um, programs so that we can really empower people and get them moving and healthier and saving money through bikes. So would you give us um, a little background on how your organization got started? Yeah, sure. Um, well, our um, current organization, which is MCM, uh, actually began as a program under the L.A. County Bicycle Coalition um, called City of Lights. City of Lights um, was founded by Allison Manos um, and uh, Adonia Luco, uh, which in 2008 began talking about how to uh, better engage 
Latino uh, cyclists. And so uh, in 2008, uh, they began the program. I uh, joined them uh, perhaps a month later, uh, and we began um, uh, just giving out lights uh, on metro stops, on street corners of Los Angeles. And um, I came up um, with the idea of, you know, really uh, being more targeted. Um, and we began um, teaching um, and giving out bike lights to day laborers um, in Los Angeles. And so we work with Caresen, Ivetska, and um, other day labor centers in South LA and Monte and different places. And so um, the reason why we began um, reaching out to um, Latino immigrant cyclists is because there was a lack of community outreach um, uh, to these communities. Uh, often uh, these cyclists um, were going through the most horrendous, um, you know, cycling experiences you could ever think of, getting into collisions, um, being cited um, unjustly by by, by um, uh, cops. And um, we did, you know, we knew that this was the right population to outreach to um, uh, and around that time, the bike, the LA bike plan was, um, ramping its efforts. And, um, we decided that this would be the most opportune time to reach them and to look at the bike plan and see what, what was missing. And so, um, we, um, we began, um, doing, um, planning work with day laborers at Caresen. Um, and so, uh, we looked at the bike plan. Um, we asked uh, some of the day laborers what were some of the lanes that they would like to see in the bike plan that were not currently listed, and 7th Street um, was one of the bike lanes that, um, you know, uh, was not in the plan, went into the plan, and was one of the most celebrated bike lanes in Los Angeles, and that was um, advocated for uh, through day laborers uh, at Carison. And now... Um, you know, with the uh, recent transition with MCM, uh, we have about a year um, since we began our own nonprofit organization, now focused on pedestrian and transit issues. Now we're uh, working towards creating more programming in those two departments, but um, this is where we're at right now, and we're happy to be here serving, um, you know, low-income communities here in, uh, uh, you know, the greater Los Angeles. Well, that's wonderful um, that you guys have been able to to work with um, a group of people and actually make an impact. Um, and it's been, it started in 2008? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, since 2008. And, and MCEM has been around for the past year? Yeah, for the past year, correct. Okay, okay. And how have you, how have you guys been able to attract people to your program? Well, it's interesting because, um, you know, this is a population that um, is very transient. Um, and so what I mean by that is that um, you often have to go to them um, to reach them because, um, they're, um, you know, this population um, doesn't know too much about what's going on in the city. They don't attend um, city hall meetings. And so uh, we make that special effort to, um, to reach them uh, and to talk to them. And to hear the stories, um, because it was, you know, it, it's very important that, um, you know, people in L.A. and elsewhere know what's going on with the bike plan. And so um, it wasn't like we just came up with a flyer 
you know, put something on the Internet and people shut up, uh, we knew that this population obviously reads their stories, um, you know, via Spanish newspapers uh, and community events. And so, um, you know, this was a very unique population that we needed to target to. We needed to go to them. We needed to let them know that this program existed and we were here for them to answer any questions related to bike safety, um, anything related to, to, you know, planning, uh, and even to, you know, uh, do their, their own bike rides. And so, um, you know, often we forget about tailoring, um, specific community outreach, um, you know, efforts. Um, you know, we often feel that, you know, just by putting out like a Facebook event invite that that's, that's it. But, um, often, you know, we have to, be very intentional about, you know, reaching people who are often not being reached to, uh, you know, uh, within these mediums because, um, you know, they're interested as much as we are, but, you know, someone hasn't contacted them, someone hasn't been to, you know, their center, someone hasn't, um, you know, um, intentionally made an effort to, you know, um, uh, you know, uh, make that connection. And so, um, so, and in turn, by us going to the centers, we have attracted other people from other day labor centers um, so that they can come and join us uh, and learn more about what their rights are. And so, um, you know, as a cyclist, and so um, it's been it's been a very fascinating experience, um, often one that, um, you know, requires um, more um, intentional outreach. It's not your traditional outreach that you would, you know, that you would do in terms of, you know, the social media aspect of it, like that we see today. So you have to go to where the people are. You have to go to where the people are, and that's, um, you know, you need a, a very strong, you know, team to do that um, because, um, you know, you need people from the community. Um, you know, often we follow the um, the um, the promotoras model or the promotores model, where um, although we haven't fully named it that way, it, it, it's 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 um, it's been done that way because the people that that we've connected to, um, for example, um, a fellow cyclist by the name of um, Jose Guzman, who um, in early uh, stages of City of Lights was um, a very you know prominent uh, individual very fluent and um, very articulate individual who actually um, was a, a day labor worker at Carecen. Um He uh, made so many connections with some of the other day laborers um, because um, the center is, is located, you know, uh, next to Home Depot and you probably have some other day laborers, um, you know, soliciting, you know, work uh, perhaps at the exits of the, um, you know, uh, of, of the parking lot. And so um, there's usually a disconnect between those people. People are just, you know, they um, they, they know about the center. Um, they know uh, what it offers, but they're not so much interested. So we had Jose Guzman, um, you know, go out there and do some community outreach for us and tell the people of the community. Um, and even outside of that, that, that specific sphere to, um, to help us um, conduct, um, you know, very, very community uh, relations-based um, outreach. So, um, you know, that has been a very important asset that we uh, follow because, you know, people who have a lot of trust within the community are the people that we want to connect with 
and talk to so that we may um, be able to garner the trust of the community overall. So um, that's that's been a very important um, aspect of our of our programming. So with that, uh, my next question is: What are your some of your best practices that you'd like to share with us? Um, that's probably one of them. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, that that that's definitely a best practice. Um, uh, on a similar note, too, as well, um, you know, as part of gaining trust, um, we actually um, came out with um, about a year uh, about a year ago. We we launched the um, Precaución tu familia también usa la bicicleta model, and that was um, a, a, a first of its kind in the whole nation, where we um, you know um, where we solicited day laborers to work on a public service announcement in conjunction with the city of Los Angeles, specifically with the um, uh, um, Los Angeles Department of Transportation. And what we did, um, uh, we actually uh, solicited day laborers to um, to come up with their own messages because often these are, um, like I mentioned earlier, these are cyclists who um, often go through horrendous um, experiences while they're out there riding their bikes. So we said this is a perfect population um, to be able to, um, you know, have their voices be heard through a public service announcement. And so we got, um, we got several day laborers, um, from the community, from Carecen and, uh, Ivevska, and, um, we had them come up with about 25, uh, to 30, um, you know, messages through a brainstorm session. And uh, this was an effort as well with Allison Manos, the current board president of MCM, and Miguel Ramos, um, our uh, community outreach um, person. Um, and so we all got together. We brainstormed about 25, 30 messages, um, and we reduced them down to five. Um, it was also a special unique partnership because we also um, to the, uh, solicited graphic designers um, uh, pro bono. And we said, this is a unique opportunity. We would love to partner with you. Um, and they said, sure. Um, and... Um, and so out of the top five messages, um, we um, then uh, got together with the graphic designers and we said, hey, can you guys um, develop some images for these messages? And uh, the resulting um, number one um, uh, PSA message and design was the one um, that I mentioned earlier, which is the precaución tu familia también usa la bicicleta, which in English is translated to, you know, um, be careful, your your family also rides a bike too. Um, and that image was created by Aaron Kuhn, a fantastic, fantastic um, graphic designer. And that was a model that had not been done elsewhere in the whole nation and um, a message that had been delivered, crafted, and developed by people from the community that was then, um, you know, presented to LADOT, which um, they loved and they supported, um, and it launched all over the um, L.A. County um, with about a 1,000 um, bus shelter ads, um, you know, uh, sp- uh, specifically targeting motorists that they should watch out because, you know, their family also rides bikes. And so often, um, you know, these motorists, uh, they don't really get that ha- um, heartfelt message. And this, this uh, PSA provided that. And so that was a great outreach tool that we used because not only did we come up with um, with a PSA bus ad, but we also came out with a commercial 
which, um, you know, sort of dramatize that experience about, you know, what it feels like to, um, you know, to be a cyclist and, and, and to ride your bike. Um, and so, um, you know, those are some, um, outreach, um, you know, best practices that, you know, I would, you know, suggest that, that, you know, that you begin talking to your council member, that you begin to talk to, um, to your, um, you know, to the person at LADOT or any Department of Transportation in your city and begin talking about ways to develop messages, um, you know, um, within the community so that they can be, um, you know, placed uh, in the city. Um, because, you know, once people know that it was done by community members, then, then that message resonates even more with, with the people that, that are um, being targeted. And so, um, you know, we, we did a fantastic, fantastic job. And I was so honored to, you know, um, um, you know, facilitate that with um, some of uh, uh, some of our um, board um, and uh, uh, volunteer members. And with the video, um, it's, it's a fantastic video. It really shows the dynamics of of uh, of you know what it what it's like to be a cyclist. And that video was produced by um, Jordan Malagrana, who we thank a bunch. For you know, um, being such a supportive um, you know person and making this video uh, possible. Yeah, I've um, seen the video and it is wonderful. Um, and yeah, I completely agree how we need to get with the population that we're wanting to serve and have them create what type be a part of the of the the process. In creating your programs and pre- creating your outreach on like what are they going to respond to because if we come up with something like oh it's all we think this is all creative and innovative and and everybody's going to love it but if it doesn't resonate with with the population that we're targeting then we've just wasted a bunch of time and energy and money so you guys have been able to to target what the people target the population, get their input on what they respond to, what they're dealing with, and be able to put that back out in a in a positive message that says, hey, this is our family, so this is why we need to, to know the rules of the road, why we need to be safe while we're out riding our bikes, why we need to be safe while we're out driving. So wonderful job, and I'm, I'm so glad that, um, that that worked out and was very successful um, for your organization. And and um, with all the work that you've been doing, like how have you been able to um, successfully fund your work and and to make it sustainable? Yeah, well, um, there's um, um, uh, a couple of ways that we've been doing that. First is is by um, obviously um, by developing um, very awesome. You know, campaigns, um, public service announcements. Uh, we've been able to um, fund some of our programming through some of the messaging that we've, we've been, you know, we've been able to do in the past. Um, but um, you know, the, the the way that we have sustained ourselves, even without any money, has been through volunteers. Um, volunteers are the heart of uh, are the heart of a you know any organization. Um, you're going to need them. To do outreach, you're going to need them to do programming. You're going to need them to do accounting, whatever it may be. We're we're in the uh, in the stage where uh, we're in great need of that, um, and we are relying heavily on outreach um, on volunteers 
And so, um, you know, but um, I guess it's just resonating with, with, with the volunteers who want to, um, um, you know, um, work for you. Um, they need to um, be convinced that the organization that they're going to be volunteering with is, uh, um, you know, an organization that, that serves the community and that has um, practices that resonate with them as well. Um, and so we've been able to do that uh, successfully for the past, um, you know, since, since 2008 um, up until now. Um, in fact, uh, our board um, is primarily um, volunteer-based, and we've continued that, that tradition uh, and will continue that tradition up until, you know, um, whoever knows. But, um, you know, they are the heart of, of any organization, and we highly, highly depend on, on volunteers to um, come and support and, um, you know, but I, I, I guess to, to just to, um, you know, uh, get down to the point of that, um, to make it sustainable is coming up with great programming, coming up with a campaign where people can contribute their talents and skills um, so that they can become, um, you, know, um, you know, people that feel great about the organization, that they feel like they're part of something because people in the community want to feel like they're they're part of something and when you can provide that opportunity to them um you know everybody's um you know sort of um you know confidence and joy goes up when they hear about a campaign that's going to be starting or about a pro uh, you know specific programming targeting you know english uh low-income people um and putting out roles for them um i think that that's very very important in any organization that um, um, that that we're clear and intentional about how we how we can best fit the um, skills, uh, assets, and talents that the volunteer brings to the organization. Because um, you know you don't you don't want to um, have a volunteer doing you know ten ten things and feeling burned out by you know by by the second month. You know you want um, that person to have a very clear role. Uh, and to, um, you know, and to, um, you know, feel like they're being appreciative um, of, of their work. So, you know, a part of that is actually, you know, uh, um, um, you know, giving them a clear role and, you know, appreciating them for, for what they're doing because it's volunteer work and, and, and um, you know, just being, being uh, intentional about that process. So the, the other way we, um, you know, have been... Um, you know, sustainable throughout these years. We actually put on uh, um, an annual uh, fundraiser event, uh, which we called um, the uh, Bicycle Awards. And so um, through that medium, we have been able to raise um, a lot of money for our organization to continue to develop, um, you know, print uh, materials, um, outreach materials, and to be able to purchase just basic things such as helmets, lights, um, and other safety materials that we use to give out for free to all our participants that participate in our workshops, uh, such as, um, you know, extra, you know, ankle bracelets and, and that kind of thing. So um, through the um, outreach efforts um, that we've done in the community, through our volunteer base, through our fundraising, uh, we have been, you know, keeping ourselves um, quite sustainable. We're, we're looking for... Um, also government grants, um, but, you know, um, we know that that, you know, obviously has a 
sunset time, and so you know things as much as they rise with funding, they also sunset. So um, you know we're we're looking at a mixture of all these things together combined because we know that we cannot fully sustain ourselves with just purely government grants. So um, our hope is that if we come up with a a great program uh, with a great message to go along with that, that we can get a lot of buy-in from the community, and the community can be you know, stakeholders of our nonprofit. You know, community is the one funding the organization and the efforts because they feel like they're being talked to, they feel like they're being communicated to, um, and, um, you know, they feel like their voices are being heard. So, um, you know, uh, so through those means, um, you know, we've been able to keep our um, nonprofit organization um, alive and, you know, um, and well-respected in the community. So... Oh, wonderful, wonderful. Thank you for that information. And, and Andy, if um, someone wants to find out more information about your organization or you, how would they um, contact you? Yeah, yeah. Um, they can go online um, uh, to our website. It's called uh, mobility.org um, and I'll spell it out. It's M-U-L-T-I. C-U-L-T-I, mobility.org. That's our website. Um, and people can also go through our Facebook page um, and just, um, you know, go into Multicultural Communities for Mobility, and you can find us there as well. Uh, we post a lot of our um, information that's going on in the community, uh, articles that we find very interesting that have a social justice, uh, environmental justice perspective on biking um, and alternative transportation um, and, you know, uh, the video that I mentioned earlier for those that are wondering uh, where they can actually find it, they can actually go, go to Google um, and just type in Precaución Tu Familia También Usa La Bicicleta, and they could um, find the video and the uh, PSA bus ad that we um, developed um, last year. And so um, we look forward to, you know, having this discussion about, you know, um, reaching um, underserved communities uh, and low-income communities, um, because you know this is a conversation that that's not that's not happening as strong as it should in our communities, and um, we definitely want more people of color to be involved in this process because it's 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 a very important process, given that a lot of um, the people that we serve um, ride bikes, not as a um, you know not as a recreation but as a necessity. People need to ride these bikes because they need to get somewhere. And so, um, you know, and I thank you, Elizabeth, and everyone else on your team that um, provided us this opportunity to have a great discussion about this, you know. <laughs> well, thank you so much for your time, Andy. We um, we appreciate it. We appreciate your input, and we appreciate the work that you and your organization have been doing in L.A. County. And um, we got some good information that we can hopefully use in, in our programs or use in creating um, maybe some new programs um, so that we can we can impact more lives and make more of a difference in L.A. County, in Los Angeles, in Long Beach. Um, and we thank you so much. So have a wonderful day, and we really appreciate you. And keep up the good work. All right. Thank you, Elizabeth. Okay. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye-bye. <laughs> So 
now we are here with um, Brian Drayton from um, Richmond Spokes in um, the Bay Area. So today um, we're glad to have you with us on Bike Talk, um, Brian. We um, wanted to reach out to you um, to talk about like how do we empower um, people through bikes, and your organization has been doing a lot in the Bay Area. So we just wanted to talk to you today um, and find out like how did how did you um, get started with your program. And uh, give us a little background uh, about your program. So originally, Spokes was um, kind of created by me and Doria Robinson from Urban Tilts. Um, it was around a conversation about the hidden bike culture or the invisible bike culture in Richmond. Um, she was really interested as a third-generation Richmond person. She was really interested in having some type of bike program for kids and was thinking cycles of change type model um, where you take kids on rides and bike safety and um, I was sitting there and I realized that uh, you know there were a lot of other social issues that were going to have to be addressed and that there was going to have to be more of a wraparound kind of kind of thing that once we engage those kids and we get them involved then we're going to you know find out about what else is going on in the community and have to have solutions so um, yeah it started off as a conversation and very quickly turned into um the desire to engage the community completely around social, economic, mobility, and health issues, and um, ended up getting folded in with urban gardening and advocacy, and, and quickly all those things. Wow! So, um, can you give us um, like a brief summary of what programs you offer now? Um, so we actually we actually made a big transition um, recently, and we opened up another spokes in Oakland. So 10 miles down the road, and we're looking for, uh, we're in a capital campaign to raise funds to buy permanent space in Richmond for our bike program. Um, the programs that we run and that we have been consistently running is the advocacy stuff that we were doing called um, Reality Rides, and that was where we took um, uh, city officials, redevelopment, and also just regular community folks on rides with clipboards, and we um, raided the streets, whether or not they were friendly, friend, family friendly, or commuter friendly, um, and helped sort of it, not sort of, but we helped design the regional bike plan. Um, the other things we do is um, uh, we do bike fixins. We call them fixins, but they're like you know, like rodeos where we fix community, the bikes for the community for free. We give out helmets. Um, bike valet. Last year we parked 6,500 bikes. Wow. Bike Valley, offsetting 15 football fields of carbon. Um, so a lot of impactful stuff um, like that as well, as well as workshops and 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 we have the speaker series as well. Okay, well, wonderful. Well, what have you guys um, been doing to attract people to your programs? Like, how do you get um, your participants? Well, you know, I think the bike rides are really the Pied Piper. Um, people see the rides and they get excited. Um, in the Bay Area, we have a lot, you know, we have a really rich um, bike advocacy movement, um, starting from critical mass to what's going on now, these things called bike parties. Um, and like you guys have with the Six Levio down there, um, we've got some Sunday free streets in San Francisco and auto free streets. Um, those are some of the best ways to do outreach and pull people in. Um, and then the other thing, the shop in Richmond is the only bike shop for 420,000 people. So, wow. uh, right now, while we're in this, um, hiatus, um, people are, are, are 
eagerly trying to find ways to keep their bikes going. Um, so it's a high need um, that that helps to keep an organization going, but also to be able to predict and to look at trends and health, wellness, transportation, and you know even gas prices and economy. Okay. Do you have some best practices that you'd like to share with us? Um, as the goal of this program is to talk with different organizations that have been successful and impactful and hopefully be able to to glean something um, from our conversation and be able to uh, maybe um, inject it into some programs that are already currently going on in L.A. and Long Beach or maybe creating um, a new program. So do you have any best practices that you'd like to share with us that you know um, have worked time and time again? I've been doing um, some workshops recently, and I'm investing a, a bunch of energy into um, into supporting the creation of community bike organizations. And first of all, we have to define what a community bike organization is. Um, and the commonality is it's a bike shop that's run by the community. Um, in most cases, it's created out of the heart and love for cycling. Um, and I think the best practice to really look at is to balance that heart and love of cycling and that community piece with a really solid business plan um, to actually know who who you're serving, what the demographic is, and what the impact areas around it. Um, currently, I'm working on a, a project called the Community Bike Collective, and um, in conjunction with the League of American Cyclists and um, the committee that both you and I are, are, are on, the commission, the Equity Advisory Commission, we're actually looking at um, how community bike organizations sort of how they impact right where they are in the communities in ways that the other bike industry uh, um, places don't like the retail big bike shops don't impact the communities the same way um, so I think the best thing is, is if you're involved in the bike community and whether it's through the economic development and shops or the advocacy is to know how to document and know how to track your impact so that you can get support. Okay. So documenting um, so yeah. that we can show people on paper. Yeah. Well, you want to quantify it, and you want to also qualify it, and then it's good to have a story. So I think people are picking up that multimedia and social media is really um, able to capture a story. I mean, Cali Bike Tours um, has a lot of great exposure because of the way the media is actually being able to attach to the work that, that you're doing and the fact that you took it from being a business to also um, incorporating advocacy and support for the community. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing how um, social media can reach so many people and give you so much exposure. So, mm-hmm. so yeah. So, well, thank you for sharing that. And, and um, as part of all your work in creating these programs, how um, have you been able to fund fund your work and um, reach the masses? Well, see, that's a tough one. Um, I was really lucky that I had a, um, a, a number of private donors that came to me and offered um, funding. They just came um, to you? <laughs> yeah. I, nice. I, I had one, one person that came and said she really wanted to help out, and I said, well, we've got volunteer positions, and she said, no, I have a chunk of money that I can use to help out, and I said, how much? And she said, 50000 Oh, Wow. My, you know, I kept a straight face, and I said, "Well, that sounds great." <laughs> um, but, but what I found, what I found after that, um, 
is that fifty thousand dollars is not a lot of money. Yeah, it's not in the yeah. Yeah, you know, but to start off a decent bike shop, you're looking you're looking at a quarter million to just to get the parts and the bikes and the equipment and the patches and tubes and tires and the lease and the and the um, you know and it goes down the list insurance. So um, you know, I actually sat on that for two years and told her that I wasn't going to use it on expendables and I was going to use it to actually create something more permanent. Um, so I think the best thing is not to rush. If if someone donates money, put it aside and use it for something that's concrete. Um, you know, use that volunteer time and the in-kind time the best way that you can so you can offset whatever cash flow you have and try to invest in assets in the things that you can resell, that you can mark up, that you can get profit or that create, you know, tools create more, more assets. So yeah, focus on tools first, get all the tools you need, um, get the things that are, are, uh, renewable resources and things like that. Um, but it's a tough one. Business plan, I say it again. Work from your heart, but also, you know, get that business plan template there, um, even if it's just a conversation or a, a movement and you don't have a product, it's still good to have a mission and vision that's really solid. Okay. Well, thank you so much for, for sharing that. Is there anything else that um, you would like um, to share with us about how you've been able um, to create a successful um, bike program, program in your community? Um, just that it's, that it's always growing. I mean, this, it's, uh, in a lot of ways, nonprofit work and community good work can be economically not very, very, uh, gratifying. <laughs> um, and, and I say that, I say that in, in just, I've done, I've done nonprofit work for so long, but it is, it's actually now, now's a really good time for our economy to actually shift and for us to our, actually start monetizing the work that we do in our communities to create healthy communities. And that's where you start seeing big foundations, and you see Kellogg's Foundation and the Cal Endowment and Kaiser coming up with these healthy community grants. Um, keep your eyes on those things because, you know, we've been doing this work, and traditionally we don't get paid that much to um, talk about an idea or a movement, but these movements are actually getting monetized now. Um, you know, just think about every time you ring your, your Safeway card, they're tracking everything you buy and what you do with it. And they're realizing that there's a whole market out there around health. So, um, you know, keep your eyes on what it is, that, that what's the impact, and figure out ways to monetize that, and you'll find that there's way more money out there. When people are saying there's no money, there is more money. There's always more money. Yeah. And then, and then money's not the primary focus. Sometimes it's just resources. Sometimes it's advocacy. Sometimes it's going to the federal level like we can do when we're attached to legal American cyclists and bike along and, and lobby groups and directing more money to the streets. So always think about getting getting the rubber on the road, as they say, and um, having impact with what you do. Yeah. Well, thank you for that. Well, if someone wants to find out more about um, Richmond's folks, um, or um, wants to contact you directly, how can they reach you? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, you can just Google richmondspokes.org or oaklandspokes.org, um, and, uh, um, and all the contact information is on the site. So either oaklandspokes.org or richmondspokes.org will take you to the same entry page. And um, I'm available for people um, that want workshops or they want to have a speaker at their conference, but I'm also just available to do a quick consult. 
So. Okay, so is there is there a number or an email for them yeah. to contact you directly? Brian, Brian at oaklandspokes.org and 510-545-2243. One more time, please. 510-545-2243. Well, thank you so much for your um, time today and for your insight. Um, we appreciate the work that you're doing in the Bay um, and the work that you're doing nationally. Um, we need more people like you with the with the drive, the energy, and the creativity. Um, I am um, glad that we have met, and thank you so much for sharing. Um, I believe that we've got some information um, about what you're doing that that we can use here in L.A. and in Long Beach, and that people can use um, actually nationwide to either improve their current programs or to start a new one. So um, your work is very appreciated, and you are too. All right. Thank you, Elizabeth, and I'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Brian. I'll keep doing it, and you keep doing what you're doing. That's great work. Thank you. You take care. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. So today we've had a great conversation with several um, folks who are part of organizations um, throughout the country, and um, they have been very successful in really making an impact in their communities with connecting um, people to bikes and all the benefits that biking has to offer, really um, being able to empower people through bikes, and we really appreciate appreciated having them. So um, today we had um, Recycle a Bicycle from New York City. We had the Community Cycling Center from Portland. Um, we had um, um, the Multicultural Mobility Organization in L.A. And we also had Richmond Spokes from from Richmond, um, California. So we got some good information, um, and hopefully this is something um, that people will be able to um, take some of the information and use that in their current programs or give them an idea on how to create something new in their communities to empower more people to get them moving um, on bikes and get them healthier. And um, today um, I was in the studio without my co-host because um, John Jones, unfortunately, is under the, under the weather. And Renee is on her honeymoon since she got married last weekend. Um, so... Um, starting in July, hopefully everyone will be back on first Saturdays on Bike Talk Radio um, with some good information about bikes to share with you. Thank you so much for joining us today and have a wonderful weekend.